Good morning, Misfits. You are tuning into episode five of the Misfit Project. I'm your host, Drew Crandall. Over on the controls, Teddy B, how are you this morning? Doing great. The sun is shining. It's a balmy 32 degrees outside. It's supposed to get, it's going down. Great. So we, we at the gym, we programmed this really bad running workout, and I put in the members group, like, what do you guys think? Should we cancel this? And once enough people said don't cancel it, I think people felt like they had to vote on that, but it's actually <laughs> going pressure. to, it's actually, we were thinking about the 6am class, but it's going to get worse. It's supposed to be like 17 degrees tonight. Dude, I was driving, windy. I was driving to the gym the other night and it was like 530 and it was dark, like no sun anywhere in the sky. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, you remember we were How driving short? back from, we were driving back from Boston. That's right. And it was pitch black. It the, was like five o'clock. It was 30 degrees. The days are so short. That 5 p.m. and 6 p.m. class tonight, running those miles. Oof. Yeah. That's Ooh. going to be a good time. Rugged. So we are finally at the, um, the topic that most people want to start at. Most people ask questions about, and that is fuel. Um, fuel specifically in this episode is going to deal a lot with um, nutrition over necessarily hydration because our hydration recommendations are serious, but serious in the terms of you do need to be hydrated, but we're not going to give you like drink a gallon of water a day or anything like that. So really quickly before we before we even jump into a bunch of different things, I'm just going to get it out there. Um, we have the morning routine where we drop a pinch of pink salt into our water. We chug down 16 ounces. Um, some people like myself don't do well with water throughout the day. So I do 16 ounces, then a little bit of movement, then another 16. Um, before we eat, we can start a little bit of like enzyme and bile production, you know, 20, 30 minutes before we eat with a little bit of water. Um, if you sweat, you're losing water, put it back in. And then, um, you know, Without going too crazy, just make sure that you're hydrated before you go to sleep. So um, it's really important to make sure that if you're not drinking water sort of in the area of eating food that's got a little bit of salt with it, that you do add the salt because we don't want to flush out our electrolytes. So that is hydration in a nutshell. Um, easy enough. Easy enough. We don't, we don't want to go too crazy with it because, um, again, you can flush out your electrolytes and then you're... Um, essentially using the absolute wrong tool when you think you're using the right tool. So as we mentioned in the last podcast, um, we're starting to tell these two separate stories. The, the first narrative is what the heck happened? Um, you know, what's going wrong? You know, some of the statistics we're going to talk about today are pretty alarming as with some of the other episodes. So what went wrong and then the conversation that I like to have a little bit more often is what can go right? What does the healthy person look like? So if we start all the way back at the beginning, um, the, the tribal aspect, the piece of when we are not you know, auditing our relationships, making sure that we are choosing who we're being around, um, we're not hormonally optimized to the point where um, we're creating those chemicals that we need to create um, for health and happiness. Um, that goes into, um, you know, we talked about how serious the sunshine and the vitamin D is. So we have the lack of vitamin D. So now we're mixing, um, depression and things of that nature, you know, very serious mental disorders with the toxic relationships. And that's obviously a recipe for disaster. Um, 
that linked with, you know, we talk about what happens when you do sleep enough and when you don't sleep enough. When you don't sleep enough, uh, we're gaining too much weight. So now we are sad. We're depressed. We're starting to gain a little bit of weight. We head out into the world and we do not have the ammunition necessary to deal with modern stressors. We're we're really taking wrong turn after wrong turn after wrong turn. Um, now we segue into nutrition. And the easiest way to put it, and I think that this is really important for people to understand so they stop beating themselves up and start to make a plan on how they can make a change, is that it's literally not your fault. Um, the, the, the thing that we're really going to try to focus on today is ensuring that you are eating a nutrient dense diet and that you are creating the opportunity for healthy gut bacteria. And why that is so serious is because the gut bacteria in the, in an obese person can actually pull more energy from food and put it into storage like fat, combining the fat um, then someone who has healthy gut bacteria where their body literally says we don't need this and then they put it into feces get it out they're done so you can literally gain more weight from the exact same food the exact same amount of food with that gut bacteria that's mind-blowing yeah so we have that problem there now we take that full step back and we say that after last week, we understand the concept of we spike our blood sugar, we use some of our stored glucose in a stressful situation, and then our body wants more. So now we have this, this idea of our gut biome is running the show. It's telling us that we need this stuff. And the more that you feed it, the more that you feed it the sugar, the refined carbohydrates, the industrial seed oils, these really bad fats, the more that you feed it all of this stuff, the more that gut bacteria, you know, sort of takes over the entire situation and it's calling the shots and your cravings become unbearable and you do something in the short term that in the long term you would never want to do. It just sort of happens. It's a reactionary thing. You've had a stressful day. These cravings, you know, get to the point where you think, you know, again, in the very short term, who cares? I'm stressed out. It is what it is. And then you're done and you're like, oh no, what did I do? You know, we're back at this place that we didn't, that we didn't want to be at. So essentially what I'm saying is if we go through the wrong path and we end up at the dinner table, we're in big trouble. We're not calling the shots. We're not able to make the decisions that we should. Um, but on the other side, um, what, once we realize again, that we're not necessarily in charge, completely in charge of what's going on, then we know that we can attack it. We can make a plan to go after it. And that plan is audit those relationships, make sure that you're choosing who you want to be around, make sure that you're getting outside, you're getting that fresh air, that sunshine, hopefully, you know, we're, we're a couple of episodes ahead right now to make sure that when we travel, we don't leave you guys hanging. Um, but we just released the tribes episode and the reaction has been really cool. It's been really cool to see, you know, you guys taking pictures of what yourselves walking out in the woods and, you know, what do I do if I don't have woods near me and asking all these questions. Um, 
but hopefully it's not just, you know, the, the people that are, that are tagging us on Instagram. Hopefully there's, you know, a bunch of people that are realizing the benefit from this stuff. So then we take that, um, you know, we have the sunshine and the, the sun's starting to go down and we're producing the melatonin and the cortisol's slowing down and we're getting a really awesome night's sleep. And that wakes us up again with the opportunity just to recap last week to, um, sort of deal with what, you know, is going to be thrown at us. You know, we've got the morning routine, we've got the check-in system, this person that I'm talking about, um, that is hopefully us eventually is the person that is ready to tackle the nutrition question. And I firmly believe that this is the case and there's research to back it. There's research that says that, um, sleep is actually going to determine a lot more about, um, your weight than your diet. And once again, once we understand these things, once we understand these concepts, we can start to, um, put our energy into the right places because I, you know, me personally, back in the day, I would have thought, you know, I got to get my butt in the gym if I want to lose some weight. Yeah. That yeah. would be a number one. Yep. I got to get in the gym. Um, and then, you know, if I screw up and I have some cheat meals every once in a while, it's not going to matter as much. Um, that's probably where I'd start. And you sort of realize after a while that nutrition sort of goes ahead of that, especially if you're talking about like how you literally, how you look like in the mirror. So you make that step in the journey. You're like, okay, the nutrition that this is where I need to be at. Um, but then you have those really rough days and those rough patches and you just say, screw this. I don't care anymore. But what's important to understand is you, you aren't actually necessarily saying that you aren't making that conscious decision. You're stressed out. Your gut microbiome is saying, yo, you need sugar. Come on. Let's just go back to the sugar. You'll feel better for 10 seconds. Then you'll feel way worse for the rest of the time, but you're not necessarily, um, controlling that. So the weekly scare tactics of, of why we need to address this, um, the Center for Disease Control updated their 2017 statistics on obesity and diabetes in the United States of America. And let's just throw this out there. Body mass index is bullshit. Um, because I work in the strength and conditioning community, I know a lot of people that are considered obese that are literally in the fittest, strongest 1%, less than 1% of the entire world. So we can throw that out. We can throw the body mass index out the window. But if I just said that it's 1%, then the numbers probably aren't that skewed. So I am putting my foot down and saying <laughs> BMI, you know, get it together. Body fat percentage should play some sort of role here. Um, but I think it is very, very, very safe to say that 30 to 40% of Americans are obese based on these statistics. The CDC says 80, 88% of us are overweight and 60% of us are obese. I'm more in that range of three to four out of every 10 individuals is obese. Now that is staggering. It's so high. And it's, it's not like you need to look at the numbers. Just go walk around outside yeah. or go to an airport. Go sit in an airport and wait for your flight for you know an hour and just look around. And you can see how this tribal aspect is really important because within our tribe, we're sort of in a bubble. Like we don't see this as much. 
But if I go, you know, to Walmart or Target or the mall or something like that, where there's a lot of people that are there for different reasons. The food court. Yeah. It, it's easy to see. Yeah. And, and it feels like it's not three out of 10. It feels like it's like nine out of 10 because you're like, it's like shock factor. You're like, what, what is happening? Right. What's going on? And you see kids too. Yeah. That's the most messed up part. You see these. Right. Because if you start this way, um, you don't know any better. The cravings and the addictions and all these things are going to be worse. You're going to develop autoimmune disorders. So you're going to be, you know, trying to tackle these situations with depression and asthma and eczema and, you know, acne and all these things like try growing up with that and having someone tell you, Oh, it's just, just fix it. Just stop eating this, eat that. Like you're not going to be able to do that. Right. It's going to be immensely challenging. Now, the survey also tried to find out how many Americans were pre-diabetic. So pre-diabetic, the easiest way to put it is if there's a spectrum of the, you know, beacon of health is on the left and someone that is so far into type 2 diabetes is on the right, you know, the middle towards the middle right is going to be pre-diabetes. We're not into that um, fasted blood glucose range where we need to start um using insulin, but we're on our way. Now, that statistic, we're looking at about 100 million people. We're looking at one in three were pre-diabetic over the age of 18. And the problem here, and and I've known about this for a while, but the timing of this was, was good. Chris Kresser's new book was just released, Unconventional Medicine. Um, I haven't finished it, and I can already recommend it. Um, his first book absolutely changed my life. I'm, you know, his second book, essentially what I would be doing is trying to change other people's lives with the information in it. So a lot of that will come out through the misfit project. But the alarming thing that I didn't know from the CDC, um, PDF was that 88% of those people did not know that they were pre-diabetic. So almost all of them were not aware of the fact that they're pre-diabetic, meaning they couldn't do anything about it. Right. If you don't know, you can't fix it. So there are roughly 80 million people in the United States right now that they're on their way to being diabetic, and they don't know it. So there is like a, a social responsibility here. There's like This is a PSA for you personally if you're worried about this or if you're worried about this in somebody else's life they need to go to the doctor as soon as possible and get that blood panel that simple blood panel is covered by like almost all insurance um it's not that informative to be honest but right now we're talking about fasted blood glucose now if you're not worried about this but you want to sort of test it yourself it's literally as simple as 12 hour fast, you know, whatever it is, 12 to 16 hour fast, and then just prick your finger and use a glucose monitor, which is super cheap at, you know, CVS, Rite Aid, whatever. Amazon. Amazon. So you can, you can not leave your house. Um, We're recommending that you do leave your house. Yeah. Leave your house, get some sun, maybe bring a friend. (laughs) Yeah. You guys can prick your fingers together. Go get a nice healthy lunch. Prick each other's fingers. Take a nap together. No, I'm just kidding. All right. So, um, that is... That is just staggering. That's so alarming. And like, I don't want to let it take over this podcast because we want to give you guys those action items. But man, that is really, uh, 
that's really a big issue. So, public service announcement, every person you know that you think is having some health issues needs to get their fasted blood glucose done to find out if they're pre-diabetic. And if they are, send them to this podcast, obviously after they talk to their doctor, um, and we'll give some recommendations on how we can start to, you know, maybe change this around. Talking to the doctor is a good point too, because those people that either you're worried about, or if it's you, if you go to the doctor, you're going to want to say specifically, I need a blood panel because I think something's going on. Right. Because a lot of the reason that these millions of people don't know that they're pre-diabetic is doctors, if you're not complaining about something, they're not going to dig deeper if they don't have to. Right. Or it's straight to um, blood sugar regulation, medication, insulin, whatever it is. Right. Because the way the medical system is set up, there's rewards for doctors to see more patients and prescribe medications. Yeah. And the, you know, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus here, but I'm on these websites reading this and there's a recipe literally to the right of these statistics for like healthy mashed potatoes for the guy with diabetes. Ooh, less sugar. You put sugar in your mashed potatoes, Drew? There is enough refined (laughs) carbohydrate in a, like the bowl is gigantic too. And it was just like, can't we, can we reverse it first, then go back to the mashed potatoes? Can we set ourselves up so that mashed potatoes aren't a big deal? And then, you know, hey, you're this uh, this this mashed potato recipe is specifically for people with not not with diabetes. Like, it does try some mashed cauliflower. Yeah, yeah, S- similar. Mix it half and half. I don't care. Just <laughs> the fact that that was to the that little ad was to the right of it. It's a it's a problem. All right, so let's get into some action items here. Um, Again, topic of the day is eating to ensure nutrient density in a healthy gut. We already talked about the um, gut bacteria that can actually pull more energy from food and put it into fat storage um, when when we obviously wouldn't want it to. And then there's, you know, we're back at the same place. The lack of diversity in your gut leads to autoimmune disorders. So we already talked about some of those um, depression asthma, eczema, all these different things. Um, now we're getting a little bit more serious colon cancer, irritable bowel syndrome. Um, and actually wasn't planning on doing this, but I think this is a, a, a good space for me to talk about me personally and like how this sort of, um, all took shape for me. So I found out at the age of, I believe 26, um, that I had celiac disease. So prior to that, every autoimmune disorder that I've brought up was a big part of my life. And yeah, the, the IB, you know, having IBS for 20 years, not fun. Um, but I got used, I literally got used to you eat, you wait 30 minutes to an hour and you sprint to the nearest bathroom. I always knew where the nearest bathroom was. Always, always knew that I got used to that. What I did not get used to was mental health issues. What I get, did not get used to was eczema, asthma. Like those are the things that make you wonder like what the hell is wrong with me? And searching for those answers, I got nothing. I had absolutely nothing. And the exercise piece really helped. It got me back to a place where I could, you know, maybe do something about it. But the, you know, the like 
do the in gym like paleo food challenge or whatever and everyone would be like withdrawing from sugar and hate it and i was so happy and i couldn't i didn't know why i didn't know it was like oh my lactose intolerant is whatever like i didn't even really know what gluten was um you know we're we're going back almost 10 years now and through eliminate elimination diets and reading more and reading more, you know, from people like Chris Cresser and Rob Wolf and Lauren Cordain. Um, I was able to sort of figure this out. And then that was when I was able to, you know, go get the genetic testing done. Do I actually have this gene mutation? Unfortunately, or fortunately, to be perfectly honest for me, the answer was yes. Um, it's fortunate that you found out. It's very fortunate that I found out. Now what I can say is, you know, there's this like hipster feel to the gluten thing right now. And it's hard to know. It really is. Like if alkaline water is bullshit and if certain essential oils and, you know, so-and-so's pyramid scheme is bullshit, then how do I know that this whole gluten thing isn't right? I mean, you can go by feeling, right? You can go, you can, (laughs) you can go by feeling, but if we are, I mean, we're talking about most of our population, doesn't have the wherewithal to have that feeling true they're lost in the matrix yeah you know they don't know what feeling good feels like feeling the way that they're supposed to feels like so that can be really challenging but what i can tell you is just not eating gluten especially at first before all the gluten-free snacks came out like i was so much healthier just because of like process of elimination right like you're attaching like gluten's like attached to so many of you know our favorites but our favorites because they're, you know, massively addicting. Yeah. So it's in everything. It's in everything. So that was a a huge part for me. Now you hear a lot about, I was sort of on the reverse side of a lot of people. I weighed, um, you know, at just over six feet tall, I weighed 160 pounds and for, you know, an athlete and a, you know, a weightlifter and stuff like that, that's pretty small. Um, we should post that picture of our senior football photo. Oh man, on that one. And then, uh, the one that Sherbo was post gluten drew mm-hmm. where my skin looks like it's falling off. I look like a melting candle essentially. So yes, I'm skinny. Um, but like in a very weird way, yeah, <laughs> an odd shape. Um, I gained essentially 30 pounds of muscle in less than 18 months. Because for the first time in my life, I was getting nutrients. I was literally like before it was, you know, there's there's the explanation of you're not actually, you're from your mouth to your butt is a tunnel. And if we can't pull nutrients into our actual body, um, they're not, you know, you're not really getting anything out of it. Right. So I was eating, my body was freaking out, saying eject, eject no good. We don't want this. Stop it. Um, and I I couldn't put on any weight. It didn't matter what I did. I could put on weight for like a day. I could like binge eat and get up to like 168 and then be sick for two weeks and then go, I'd be like 158 and it, it just wasn't good. So this, when I, you know, when I'm, when I'm looking at my notes and I'm reading autoimmune disorders, irritable bowel syndrome, colon cancer, you know, that was my path. That's where I was going. That's where I was headed. And, you know, I was lucky enough to be super active as a kid, you know, really into sports. And again, you know, finding, you know, weightlifting and all these other avenues, I was able to stay on the side of, 
um, the right side of, you know, obesity, but I wasn't on the right side of anything else. I guarantee I was pre-diabetic. Um, you I weren't obese, but well. you weren't healthy. Yeah. I was not healthy in any way. So there are those people, um, that if you're listening to this, you're like, maybe you feel unhealthy, but you throw on pants and a shirt and you don't necessarily look unhealthy. Um, this is still this kind of this same path, you know, for you. So we are back to the same concept of quality, quantity, timing. We talked about this very specifically with sleep. And we talked about how it's not that one is more necessarily more important than the other, but it's more of kind of a hierarchy of the order that we want to go in. Um, Quality with food is as simple as it gets. And the more that you complicate it, the harder it's going to be. But it is really, really, really simple. Eat real food. Eat food that your great-grandparents wouldn't be like, what the hell is that? What is that? Why is your food shrink-wrapped? Why are there 500 ingredients in something that seems like it would be one ingredient on the front? Um, What is this weird packaging? You know, why do these vegetables look like this? Like what the, I don't understand what you're eating. Is this space age? It's got to be better for us, right? If we've developed this new thing and we're able to feed the world, it must be better for you, right? And you'd have to, you'd know right off the bat, you'd have to hang your head and say, ghost grandma and grandpa, (laughs) this is actually essentially the worst stuff you could put in your body. And I eat it on a daily basis because I'm addicted to it and I don't know how the hell to get out of this. Um, That's that's where we can start. That's, it's that simple. Now there's, there's a movement right now with a lot of people weighing and measuring their food, which is awesome because we can, you know, grab a a headline and say, okay, so I'm going to try the ketogenic diet. Um, if you eat like 17 blocks of cheese and whipped cream, you know, if you, you can eat too much very easily on a ketogenic diet. Um, i Personally, we'll do an episode on the ketogenic diet. We'll, we'll, we'll go down that path, but we can, it's, it's, you can overeat on any diet essentially, unless you're, you know, just eating plants and and then we probably have a problem, but we'll get to that also on a different episode. Oh no, the vegans are going to kill you. That's okay. We will have, I will, I promise I will do an episode that if you feel socially obliged to be a vegetarian or a vegan, what is the best way to stay healthy? Because I'm not going to sit here and tell people how to live their life. Sure. And, you know, they, they see the factory farming stuff and they don't want to be a part of it. I get it. Yeah. I get it. Who wants to? Exactly. So we will go there. But the some of the foods that I'm about to talk about, people are going to be a little confused. Um, the most nutrient-dense food on earth and this isn't necessarily black and white there's a little bit of opinion here is grass-fed beef liver Mm. yeah sounds delicious right but what's good about that being the most nutrient-dense food on earth is we can start to understand how nutrient density works um the liver is of the grass-fed cow is so nutrient-dense because the cow is eating what it's supposed to, living in the sunshine, 
able to graze and walk around and be healthy on its own. Has a bunch of cow friends. Has a bunch of cow friends. Living, the cow is living its best life. There we go. So that cow now essentially becomes, and, and again, if you're a vegetarian or a vegan, I'm sorry that this is where we're starting, but it becomes nature's multivitamin. It really does. Um, because it's eating the food that a lot of people consider their food, but it's eating that and in a very natural way, distributing it throughout its body to be healthy. And then we, on the other end, benefit from that. So um, there's a, a big take home here if we want to, I guess the easiest way to be would to start with that animal protein side is some of the most healthy foods on earth are again, the liver, but also grass-fed beef, grass-fed butter, pasture-raised eggs. So that's just chickens that are living their best life out there running around, doing their thing. I'm really sorry, guys. Chickens are not vegetarians. They're not like that label on those eggs, man, triggers me every time. Every time. You think I'd be able to get over it by now because it's on every package other than the ones that say pasture-raised. Guys, don't buy those. If you can, if you can help it, don't buy those. They're still good for you. They're still good for you, but it says vegetarian fed and it's like, you know what? You wouldn't do that to your dog or your cat. Like the chicken is not, that's not what it eats. It eats worms and bugs and, you know, it eats a a whole array of different stuff. The pasture raised pig, same idea here, immensely nutrient dense, pasture raised pork. Now, a lot of people would think, you know, what are you talking about? Pork is, you know, there are religions based on the fact that pork is disgusting and they're vile creatures. And um, the pasture-raised pork, the pasture-raised pig, um, again, produces some of the most nutrient-dense food on earth. Um, We'll keep it sort of in that same family and go across to um, fish. The wild-caught fish... um, is and just it's incredible how nutrient dense it is and there's this piece of I, I have to research it more but it's really interesting the the sea vegetables and the the fish are nutrient dense on like a level that you can't comprehend like things like spirulina and uh, seaweed and there's all these different kinds of seaweed and then you know the fish are in that same ecosystem and there are biologists that sort of believe that it's because the evolution there is a very long time. Right. So if we're very up, all, you know, if we're up here, and the Earth keeps changing, and we used to be a supercontinent, and now we're this. And there's been the Ice Age, and some people believe that we're in, you know, version like 4.0 of civilization, like underwater. That's been around for a very long time, and they're continually discovering new species. So these. The anything involved with the ocean, um, you know, if we can stay away from the mercury content and the floating garbage and all that, um, incredible how nutrient dense that is. Now that we sort of have that that basis, um, it's really easy to just sort of extend out into leafy greens, Brussels sprouts, bell peppers, berries, spinach, nuts and seeds, um, avocados cacao like it's these are the things that have the most nutrient density now if if you're wondering a little bit like 
what is he talking about with the nutrient density? Essentially, we've got our macronutrients, protein, carbohydrates, fat, and our micronutrients, vitamin A, choline, B vitamins, vitamins C through K, copper, iron, magnesium, you know, all the way down to zinc. These are the things that are going into our body that we're pulling out of the food. It's going into all of these major processes within our body. And at the risk of boring you guys to death, I'm going to try to fly through this list, but it's so incredibly important. Um, I might like feel your boredom halfway through and skip a few. Um, but I just really want, and, and eventually what our goal is here is to develop this nutrient density guide so that you could either at the base level say, I feel this, um, this doesn't feel right. What food could I literally eat to try and change that? Or, you know, if you can afford blood work, that would be really important. You go in and you get your blood work done and then you go into our nutrient density guide and you say, I need to start eating this food more often to try to get it back up. So, um, vitamin A, reproductive health and gene expression, liver, grass-fed butter, pasture-raised eggs, choline, inflammation reduction, really important. Most of the foods that I just said also, broccoli, cauliflower, asparagus, raw dairy, B vitamins, muscle and tissue growth. Gains. Gains. I know a lot of our audience is coming over from, you know, the misfit community, energy production. I just said muscle and tissue growth and energy production. What's more important? Come on. At least for the audience that we know that yes. is listening to this, what we just talked about, same thing, plus the spinach, plus the wild fish, these B vitamins are so incredibly important. Um, that will be a massive part of the vegetarian episode. How do we get our B vitamins? Um, really challenging to do so without supplementation. Vitamin C. Um, almost everyone already knows this, immune function and disease prevention. The immune function part is probably the one that people think of the most, but disease prevention, that carries like a heavy weight to it because it's not really that, like immune functions like day to day. Right. Like you wake up in the morning, you got a sore throat, you're like, shit, I'm probably not eating that well, I'm not doing my thing, but disease prevention, really important. Leafy greens, bell peppers, berries, Brussels sprouts, um, real food. Vitamin D, in this this piece, um, for me, the the mental health aspect of it, I really feel like is that the the take home point um, with being able to get vitamin D synthesis through UVB rays by being outside. Then we add in the wild fish. Um, I was actually just just talking with Arnie from Iceland. He's like, hey man, can't do what you're asking me to do. Um, we're going to go that, that route of the, the blue light if he can't find the sunshine, but he's still going to get the mental health aspect from walking around outside. The sun actually does come out sometimes in Iceland. Did you see his story this morning? Yeah. He's Negative one snow. degrees Celsius and the sun is out. Yep. Beautiful. He can still get those rays, but he's in a place with cold water, wild, fresh fish, like on like everywhere. Everywhere. So that's sort of nature saying, hey, we got you. Um he might still need to get the blood work done and get the vitamin D testing done just to make sure. But vitamin D, wild fish, pasteurized eggs, pasture pork, the liver, we're, we're back saying the same things. Um, vitamin E is cellular health. We talked about, you know, the, the telomeres, you know, sort of being the caps to our, to our cells. Um, 
that's going to, you know, talk about whether we're going to live longer. Um, fairly important. Same, almost same exact list as vitamin D. Um, vitamin K, we're talking about bone health here. So another big one for, you know, for the, for the weightlifting community, um, pretty easy to, if you have poor bone health and you load your joints with large amounts of weight, uh, it could be a problem. Yeah. Um, raw, hard cheese, grass fed beef. Um, there probably again needs to be a separate episode for the, for the dairy conversation. We could go down a rabbit hole there. Um, but if we back it down to our simple way of looking at food that we talked about at the beginning, um, the products that we process out of, um, you know, the, the byproduct of the cow should be minimal. So raw, hard cheese, essentially, you know, we have the, the, you know, the enzyme process can be good for our stomach. It's a very ketogenic food. Um, but it's important to note that it's not pasteurized. It's coming from a grass fed cow. Like this is not your, um, you know, the cheese, the like 12 cups of mozzarella cheese that they put on your pizza at the local pizza place, um, that makes you wonder, you know, at least for a day or two, why you ate all that cheese. Um, before you eat it again, very, very different, different food. Um, calcium, uh, calcium is really important for muscle contractions. You're going to notice a theme here of me picking out things that I think will resonate with the audience. Raw dairy, wild fish, bone broth, uh, copper, uh, helps your organs to function. Nuts, seeds, grass fed beef, cacao, Iron. I'm going to start just going rapid fire here so you guys can get your notepads out and pause, play, pause, play. I'm really trying not to bore you, but I think it's important. Iron, we're going to get from meats uh, and greens. Oxygen, transportation and energy production. Uh, we need to be able to transport oxygen for the energy production if you're an active person. Super important. Magnesium, my notes, it says everything in caps lock because the list of processes that are involved with magnesium are huge. That's why in the sleep episode, we recommend um, actually supplementing. But the number one sources, and we got a little bit more specific here, wild-caught halibut is extremely high in magnesium. Spinach, um, nuts, cacao. Quick disclaimer, peanuts are not nuts. Um, I had someone tell me that that was bullshit and that they should call them pea beans from now on. Uh, Peanuts are not nuts. (laughs) Pea beans. Sorry, guys. Um, that peanut butter is not the healthiest thing in the world. I, I'm really sorry. I'm getting a lot of people upset right now. I know that people love their peanut butter, but not the greatest thing in the world. Um, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna skip over some of the ones here. Selenium, um, because a lot of this this list here, we're starting to get into the family of electrolytes. And we can sort of understand where we're gonna get um, where we're gonna get that from. Uh, selenium. Uh, is one that's really important um, for male prostate health. Uh, a lot of people supplement with selenium. The vitamin C supplement that I recommended from Onnit, again, no affiliation, just a really great product, has selenium in it. So that could be two two birds with one stone there. Um, but if you're looking to go like the full-on caveman route, liver, fish, meat, and then Brazil nuts. Um, I've heard they're not great. I like them. You like them? Yeah, they're, they're not a very strong flavor. They're okay. kind of waxy a little bit. Yeah. I am allergic to a bunch of nuts, so I just don't like test the waters, so I wouldn't know. Um, like circus peanuts? <laughs> yeah, we found that out <laughs> as kids that 
Ted wanted me to try a circus peanut and I was like, oh, it's probably got nuts in it. And he's like, it's a marshmallow. And then we look at the back. It's got like a hundred nuts in it. It's literally marshmallow sprinkled with, I think because the company was so cheap, they just put that on everything and then they just grind up a mix of whatever they can find. Like pine nuts, tree nuts, it was peanuts. It was every nut I've ever heard walnuts, of. Walnuts, all of them. Yeah. And that would be really expensive to make. So my guess is they're just covering their bases. Circus peanuts will not get you any vitamins. Don't supplement with circus peanuts. Ted's the only person that I've ever seen eat those. So I don't know that that's some sort of health, you know, epidemic. But (laughs) if it is, if you love circus peanuts because you think nuts are healthy, (laughs) please stop. And we will end this boring three minute, I hope only three minute uh, conversation with zinc. Zinc is very important to your immune system. Um, I actually believe that is also in the Virotech. Great product. We don't get paid just like it. Um, the immune and reproductive health in zinc, liver, meat, oysters, scallops, and shellfish. And, and oysters and scallops didn't show up, and shellfish didn't show up a ton on this list. Um, but I do know that oysters and mussels and you know, the bottom dwellers of the ocean are some of the most, you know, top five nutrient dense foods on earth. So if you're into, you know, oysters and, you know, that kind of stuff, um, keep eating it because it's really, really, really good for you. So what do we do with this information? Just gave me all this information. You confused me. I got really bored. Um, I am suggesting this is a, this is, literally an action item everyone starts this by first getting rid of everything in your house that's garbage just get rid of it don't have your don't have that i'm starting on monday let's see how pre-diabetic i can get let's get rid of the garbage if it's been in there for a while it's like that old t-shirt that you need to throw away just get rid of it then we are going to go two weeks and, and, you know, we want to build this into a schedule. So you want to look at your calendar and say, don't make a bunch of excuses for yourself. Like, oh, John's got a birthday party. You can, you'll be all right. But like, if you're going on vacation and you've been looking forward to it, it's obviously not the time to do this, but find that two weeks and you can eat whatever you want. If you bought it as a single ingredient source. So you go to the grocery store during this two week period, you're setting yourself up, you've thrown away all this stuff and you go to the grocery store and you only buy things that have one ingredient, which is what they are. You cannot, so so even, we'll make an example of why this would be smart and why this wouldn't be smart. Why it would be smart is you could buy um, something like tomatoes and make your own pasta sauce, which is really easy, instead of the one that's got stuff you can't pronounce in it and a bunch of sugar. That would be the easy one. But then you're like, hey, you know, I buy this jarred salsa that I really like. It's got all good ingredients in it. I'm still saying no. Um, We really need to start this process of cooking our own food or at least being around when our food's being cooked and understand what we're eating and making a conscious decision of what's going into our body. So you go to the grocery store and you buy vegetables and you buy meat and you buy, you know, the, the one thing that's sort of, eh, you can do what you got to do would be the dairy because, you know, we're talking, you know, maybe it'll say something like enzymes and cultures and milk or whatever. 
Um, if you don't react that well to dairy, maybe take this two weeks off. See if that see if that helps. Um, but if you if you do react perfectly fine to dairy, just make sure that we're we're dealing only with the grass fed stuff, the raw stuff. You know, being really healthy there. So we go through the grocery store, and and the reason I say you can make whatever you want is if you're like I need an apple pie right now, you are going to realize how much work and how much process. You know, you hear the processed foods. How much process goes into making that, and if you still do that, um, tip my cap to you. You're resilient. You're resourceful. Good for you. Most people will like get halfway through and say, I don't want to make this anymore. I'm just, you know, going to cook up a nice piece of fish and have some vegetables and healthy fat with it. Good to go. So it's two weeks of you or someone, you know, cooking food with single ingredients. You can combine them you could make salsa, but you'd have to buy the, I use that as an example all the time. You'd have to buy the vegetables that go into it with the tomatoes and whatever. Um, you will notice a difference just based on buying better ingredients, but you'll also notice a difference because you won't make that decision to put, you're not going to go put a quarter cup of sugar into your pasta sauce. And if you do, you're going to feel really bad while you're doing it because you're going to look at the rest of your meal and be like, this would be good on its own without this quarter cup of sugar. And that that that's such a big piece of it, not knowing what's in your food. Like a lot of people probably go buy processed food and they trick you with the, you know, the label, you know, this is healthy. This only has this. This only has that. Like, right. No trans fat, gluten free. Exactly. Yep. So that's my recommendation. If someone's trying to get started on this and feels like they really need this, like, you know, people like to latch on to things like a, a, a reset or a whole 30 or whatever it is. If you need that sort of guidance, this is where I like to start with people. Again, eat what you want to eat. Um, really start to, to understand what you're putting into your body. And again, this, this all this stuff all has that prerequisite to it. It has tribes, sleep peace of mind like that's that's all really important there because if we go to the grocery store without that um i'm saying that we're not you know equipped with the ammunition to actually tackle it so that is my you know that's me on my soapbox for nutrient density for let's get back to eating real food let's try to understand you know we've evolved over a very very long period of time you don't want to tell the whole paleo narrative too much but um we've developed over this really long period of time and these are the foods that our body understands how to use what to do with them so really important to start there now the the next portion here is quantity and we talked earlier about regardless of what diet you're on you can under eat and you can overeat um we're never going to recommend one of those silly diets that's like the cookie diet or the pizza diet where they trick you into being so sick of a food that you used to like that you create your own portion control and then you lose weight. That's actually a thing. There, I, there are books on it. I've never heard of that. That's crazy. Yeah. So essentially what you're doing is you're over the course of a few days, you're getting yourself sick of this food and then your body will self-regulate like, okay, well this isn't very good anymore. This, you know, this cookie's pretty dry. 
<laughs> I don't really like this. Um, and then it, and then you're not eating very many cookies. So we'll, we'll just throw that kind of thing out the window, but on any diet we can overeat. So it still matters how much we eat. Um, what I do with clients after that two week reset where we're cooking everything, um, is I have them start to weigh and measure, but just weigh and measure whatever you're eating. So it's not weighing and measuring to make sure you're only eating X, but it's sort of the opposite. It's weighing and measuring so that at the end of the day, you could look back and say, this is what I'm taking in. Taking in this for protein, fat, and carbs. Here's my total calories. Oh, whoa, this is a little off. I didn't know that it was this. It's sort of just providing yourself, again, if we're going to go after this like enemy that is our you know, poor health, we have to know, you know what we're doing. We need some sort of data. We need some sort of like test retest. So using something like a MyFitnessPal to understand what you're taking into your body, um, that's really important. And that's like the big thing with this conversation of macronutrients over micronutrients. Um, They're not mutually exclusive. Like I could eat any, I could get numbers from any nutritionist, dietitian, health coach and make them work or not work with healthy or not healthy foods. Right. Um, they all contain the macronutrients. So if I get to choose, you know, whether I'm putting E85 corn ethanol into my body or the like race car shit, I'm going to choose the race car stuff. I'm going to try to, you know, health and longevity and happiness and, you know, get rid of food cravings and not have, you know, the, the blood sugar thing control, you know, when I have to eat all the time, I'm going to choose to do that. But it's really important to understand that this is not a battle between what's more important. It's a battle about using all of this information to come up with the best solution. So there is no, um, micro over macro. Um, it's just, it's both. It's understanding that if I want to go based on numbers, if I'm the type of person that works better with parameters that I could do a better job of it. Um, so you should base regardless of who you are. And I, and I really feel this, the bulk of your diet, the majority of your diet on the foods that I just talked about. Just quality foods, quality foods, real food, real foods. Now, two episodes from now is the final step in this process before we just start going back through it forever is personalization and that is the episode where i will address more of what diet could work for you personally this will give this scenario and we'll give this diet and we'll give that scenario and we'll give that diet so what i don't want is for people to listen to this and say if i only ate that stuff i wouldn't have enough energy i wouldn't be able to do this i wouldn't be able to do that this is a solution and or part of the solution for changing the obesity epidemic in the United States of America and a lot of the rest of the world, not how do I get, you know, so-and-so to win the Olympics. Like these are not, you know, we're talking about different ends of the spectrum, but what I am saying is the bulk of both of those diets should be the same. And one thing that, that wasn't touched on too, too much in the food quality portion is the fat. Now, the, the biggest mistake that we can make, that I can make as a health coach, as someone who's influencing decisions that other people make, is to demonize 
certain macronutrients. It doesn't make any sense. It's how we got it. It's how we continually get into trouble with, we make carbs the enemy and then we make fat the enemy and then eggs aren't good for you. And then we can't have salt anymore. Like anytime that we have this like wildly all the way to one side or the other opinion about something, it's probably a bit much, right? It's just a little bit too much. So now we're back, you know, the narrative now is okay. We were wrong. Fat's okay again. Now, we just talked about quantity matters, and quantity definitely matters with fat because it's very, very, very calorie-dense. Um, but it is a fantastic energy source. So if you're basing the bulk of your diet on these real foods, it's going to be really hard to find um, foods that are really high in carbohydrates, meaning unless you want no energy, that we got to up the fat a little bit. So in the presence of of someone that is attempting to go from obese to not obese, from pre-diabetic to that healthy fasted blood glucose. Um, we need to make sure that the fat is there to supply the energy, to make sure that we're in the right mental state to continue to succeed. Um, and those fat sources need to be healthy. We can't, again, we can't just say it's now all fat all the time. This is all we need. Um, we need, Animal fat from animals like cold water, fresh fish, grass-fed beef, uh, pasture-raised eggs, grass-fed, um, you know, cheese and dairy and things of that nature, avocado, coconut oil, uh, ghee, all these different things. This is what's going to be good for us. Industrialized seed oils will kill you straight up. Like, like we don't want to, now that we're in this where oh, it's all sugar's the worst thing that's ever happened to the entire world. It's not that hard to just go on the other side of it and say that industrialized seed oils and, you know, all this vegetable oil and canola oil. How would we just say that it's bad? It's, they're both bad. It's not one versus the other. It's not this fight of like, again, it's the same fight that we have. Did, did cavemen eat bread? I don't know. I don't really care that much. So we can't demonize these macronutrients, but it is important to say that if we're basing our diet on this, that we want to make sure that energy-wise we're still happy and healthy, we get a little bit more fat in. Now, I believe with the current research, and if this changes, I will change my opinion, and I will update you guys as we go. Hopefully this podcast goes on for years, and essentially every time, you know, every 10 years, we're altering opinions and whatnot, but we're, we're, we're moving in the right direction. That's something that I know. I believe that high glycemic refined, not necessarily refined, but, but carbohydrates that create that big insulin spike should be used as the same way that we would use a supplement. It's for a very specific purpose. It's not for sustaining regular everyday life. Essentially the way that, that this all works is we can increase insulin sensitivity, which is a good thing. Insulin resistance is bad. That's, that's when we're starting to get into that pre-diabetic and diabetic condition. But insulin sensitivity is something that we're going for. And insulin sensitivity is something that happens when you have, go through intense exercise. So we go through intense exercise. We up our insulin sensitivity within a window of, we'll call it like two to four hours, um, we are ready because we have just used stored glucose in our muscles. We are ready 
to put it back in. There are receptors in our muscle tissues that will actually come to the surface and like ask for glucose. So we have that insulin spike. Insulin's going to help transport the glucose into our muscle cells. And it's this awesome system of, I just used it. I got to refuel the tank and here's the fuel. And then once I get outside of that window, I can go back to my other diet, which is based on nutrient density and healthy fats and healthy proteins and, you know, vegetables and fiber and all of this stuff. Now that is where, that is where this pitch is where the personalization is super important because it's like, how intense was the exercise? Am I mixing, you know, let's say running with weightlifting, you know, are we talking about a CrossFitter? And even if we're talking about a CrossFitter, are we talking about, um, one hour a couple times a week or are we talking about trying to be the fittest man or woman on earth right it's very different and that's where we can start to adjust this and that's where we can start to understand how we can make these things work for ourselves but i truly believe that this piece of and and for me personally and this is literally just personally it's for me it's either rice or rice noodles because we make it really hard for the glucose to enter muscle tissue if we eat fat with it and potatoes would be a great source because they got a lot of electrolytes. But man, potatoes without fat, not Oof. very good. No, you need that butter. You need that cheese, that sour cream, something, bacon. Yeah, you yeah. or just crisp them up somehow, and you know those like air popped thing. You know, now we're getting into super processed foods, yep. and if we're trying to figure out how to like make something not so healthy healthy, it's like, where do I go there? So if you like p- potatoes, because of their electrolytes are and then, you know, they're, all this stuff, they're, white potatoes are actually really good for you in this setting, but I can't find a damn way to make them, like, palatable. I mean, throw a little Franks on them, a little Franks Red Hot. That could work. That could work, but I'm still probably going to go back to my... That's also not a single ingredient. Oh, that's not a single ingredient. That's true. So, but with with me personally, like, I know that if I'm taking... If I'm taking in, you know, a cup of rice or something like that, like, how can I make this? How can I still make this meal? Because if it's just after I've worked out, there's a pretty good chance I need those nutrients more than someone that's sedentary. So how do I make this meal um, better? And and one of the things that, I, that I, you can do that's really easy is make some bone broth and just cook the rice in the bone broth. Mm. Um, obviously, when you're done cooking rice, the the liquid is absorbed into the rice you're literally you can make like rice a superfood and that's good to know for for someone that's really active yeah that's really important so you can do that there and slash or we can swap out the easiest one here for that because because we want the high protein with the high carb is chicken not so nutrient dense, especially once we get rid of skin and bone and collagen and all of these things, because we're trying to, we're trying, we're forcing that insulin spike on purpose. We're not having the high fat there. We can swap that out for, there's actually a, a pretty decent amount of lean fish. So we could go that route. Um, and those are, those are ways to do that. But I truly believe that those meals need to be in the presence of that, that workout window. And again, you know, maybe I'm talking about, 99% of the people right now, but I'm okay with that. I'm okay with speaking to 99% of the people. Um, that other 1%, you know, that the insulin sensitivity is so high all the time because there's so much exercise. We might start getting outside of that window. Um, but you know, 
there's a there's a topic coming up in you know this next piece here that that will address that. So we've we've moved from we need to make sure that we're eating high quality food onto quantity. Quantity matters. We're going to start to measure our food. Um, you know, maybe at a certain point we contact uh, you know a health coach. Maybe it's something that the Misfit Project will do down the road. Um, but maybe we need those numbers. Maybe we need to understand um, exactly what we need to eat or, or, you know, give ourselves parameters or something like that. Um, we base the bulk of our diet, the bulk of our quantity, you know, those hours outside of our training windows on food quality and on the stuff from that list. And then we understand the fact that we're using, you know, if we're going for that big insulin spike, we're using carbs as a supplement. Now we have to talk about timing. And again, not necessarily saying that any of these things are more important than the other, but I think that there's a little bit of a hierarchy here. Um, insulin sensitivity that we just talked about is also altered throughout the day. Um, we are in like peak fat burning mode when we wake up in the morning. And the reason for that is we've had the absence of food. We've been sleeping, the absence of food, um, we're able to calm down that gut bacteria that was asking us for sugar and all this stuff. Um, our body is not operating at a, you know, really high wavelength when it comes to thought and movement. So it's not really asking for as much glucose. So it's going to turn to the fat. And that's something that we want to really be able to get, to get into, um, is understanding, you know, how we can use fat on our own body as energy. And then if we do that, it goes away, which a lot of people would like. So insulin sensitivity throughout the day, um, we start out not so insulin sensitive because we haven't been moving, we haven't been thinking, and throughout the day as we use glucose and as our natural circadian rhythm starts to kick in, um, we become more insulin sensitive as we get to like dinner time. So if you were trying to make a change but you didn't want to go like all in, saving that little bit of carbohydrates even if you're not active, it's got to be at dinner. We really want to save that portion for the end of the day because we are more insulin sensitive and we can grab it and put it into muscle tissue instead of creating triglycerides, um, adipose tissue, you know, poor heart health, all of that. We talked about the exercise piece already. Um, that is going to help this situation. So if you know that, um, you know, the timing during the day doesn't necessarily work for you, you can flip it around a little bit by exercising. So if you know that you have to exercise in the morning and then that workout or that window for your carbohydrates is more morning or middle of the day, um, you just got to make sure that you, you bring it <laughs> in the morning. You, you actually feel like I use some of that glucose and you'll feel that if you're doing high intensity exercise and your breathing's okay, but your muscles are like, Hey, that's it, man. The gas tank, you just cooked it. Like, like for me, it's always like if I'm running 400s, I can literally, if I'm like going low carb and I'm running 400s, I can feel it. We have this you know, spot at the gym where you make the final turn and you can see the door that you're running into, you know, the, uh, the shining like Mecca of I don't have to run anymore. So you're running towards it. And I have been in the situation where I'm pretty, I feel good. Like it's time to push, you know, you chase your friend in and nope. Legs don't work. Not there. That is true glycogen depletion. That's like cyanora. And then the other piece is just going to be, um, you know, we modulate muscle, muscle tissue, which is just done through weightlifting. And that's going to help bring those glucose receptors up. So, you know, 
the pump, that feeling, you know, of, you know, going through a bunch of reps and going, coming out the other side, like my body's ready for this. So that's something that you would need to do if you want to alter your insulin sensitivity throughout the day. The next piece is, uh, also a very hot topic right now. Uh, fasting. I am a very big fan of fasting across the board. Um, I would have to be presented with a specific reason why, you know, there's obviously always going to be that 0.0001%, but you know, over nine out of 10 people I'm going to recommend fasting to. And we can start with that narrative that we don't like to talk about, but we have to, um, if I'm obese, if I'm trying to lose weight and I go through fasting, it's not about the calorie restriction as much as it is about starving out those gut bugs that really want the sugar. You can kill them. If they don't get what they want, they die. Yep. So if we fast for longer, we are literally saying, no, you can't have it. And if we have, if we know that we're not in control and we need to create that support system and we need to, you know, talk with a health coach or we need to have our friends make sure that we are eating what we need to eat or we need to, you know, do the diet where you take a, you find a buddy and you take a picture of everything you eat and you send it to him. You're about to eat those peanut M&Ms and you're like, I have literally have to send a photo of a bag of peanut M&Ms to my friend and they know I'm trying to lose weight. I'm just, just not going to buy them or I'm going to throw them away or whatever. So that fasting is so important there. Um, what I don't recommend is, is going from, you know, zero to 100 in anything. I think that, you know, if you're doing like the two week reset, make sure that you don't just go like fully no carb and then you feel like crap. Um, I also wouldn't go from a, like you eat right before you go to bed and you eat right when you wake up to a 16 hour fast. I don't recommend that. Um, I think 12 is a very manageable place to start. People are like, 12 hours without eating. But then when you say it's 8 p.m. to 8 a.m., people are like, oh, I might right. do that already. What you will find, though, is that people don't. Um, there are a lot of people that think they do. And then uh, there's a, a great app that's free called Zero, And you can set your window, and essentially it'll just tell you. It starts a clock for you, and you can say, I want to fast you know, 12 hours or 14 hours or whatever it is, and it'll tell you. And people will find that they thought that they fasted for quite a bit longer than they do. So I would start in that range. And if you are like dealing with all of these issues that, excuse me, if you're dealing with all of these issues that I'm talking about, um, we might be pushing the 16 hour fast seven days a week. Um, that's personally what I do. Uh, it's not completely necessary for everybody. Um, but I find that it works really well for me. It keeps me in the, um, using fat as fuel, I can kind of tell the difference. Um, if I, you know, kind of get off of my normal regimen and I eat more carbs, like I can tell, I can tell like 10 to 11 AM comes on and it's like time for food. Yeah. And it might still, I might still just want fat and protein or just fat, but I want food sooner. And, you know, with my personal schedule and how work, you know, sort of happens for me, I just find it to be easier to do. I also do, and I haven't been doing this, you know, full disclosure, I haven't been doing this as much recently, but I will get back into it as one day a week of the 24 hour fast. Now, again, sounds crazy, but the true 24 hour fast is still just dinner to dinner. But a lot of people say, you know, there are a lot of like 
intermittent fasting like gurus out there that say like you got to do the full like don't eat for a day which i haven't done yet i haven't tried that yet i've gone 24 hours but you eat again you eat you eat both days right um so that would be something that i would recommend to sort of reset for people um but that's more again in that case of you know it wouldn't make sense if you were like a professional athlete to do that and then be able to try to rely on, you'd want to be like, okay, I'm going to take an extra day of training off to be able to do that. Um, but if it's one of those things where you're really trying to make this massive change in your life, um, fasting can be something that really helps. Now I've heard mixed messages on this, but in your opinion, does coffee count as breaking your fast? Uh, yeah. Um, there are, I don't want to get the word wrong. It's Zeno, Baya, I don't know. Um, there's there, there's some stuff in there. There <laughs> are things in anything that you digest that's not just like water. Right. So supplements, coffee, whatever. Um, I believe very vehemently that like there has to be a spectrum to all of this stuff. Sure. And you're making a very profound change in your life if you can commit to something like this and if you want to take it that extra step, if you want to be that guy or that girl, go for it. It's cool. If you want to try to survive a fast without coffee, uh, go for it. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, there will be a caffeine episode and you addicts out there might not like it too much. And I'm an addict, so I'm allowed to talk about it. Um, but I say black coffee is good to go. Should you try it the other way? Hell yeah. You should try every variation of something to see like, oh, people talk about that mental clarity that you get from fasting, but I don't get it because I'm already searching for it through stimulant means. Like, do you feel something different? Do you feel better? I don't know. Right. Um, so the true fast, the true, the research right now, if you are one of those all in people is that um, you fast with literally just water while it's dark. Oh, okay. There's a circadian aspect to it. But for people, the easiest way to fast is to come out of the sleep where you're burning fat and your body's okay to fast, but the sun's coming up. So we're essentially doing it backwards according to the latest research, but still with profound benefits. It's True. not, again, it's not, there's new research, oh man, done fasting. <laughs> or I'm, you know, going to start eating breakfast, whatever it is, like there's still so much research on the other side of it that just the fasting on its own, regardless of circadian rhythms and whatnot, is so profound that I say stick with it. But if you are all in, it's water, and it's actually um, you fast at night or the evening as opposed to the morning. It's flipped. Okay. So something that if someone's played around with a bunch of stuff and they want to try it, you want to go for it, you want to use the hashtag TMP fuel and let us know yeah. on social media. Um, I'd, I'd love to hear more about it. And, you know, I'm researching it and I would love to implement it in my life, but I just don't see it fitting. It, does, it doesn't fit for me in my lifestyle. Yep. Um, I yep. would essentially not eat any meals with my wife ever. Right. If that was the case. And it goes that's back just, to personalization. Exactly. It yep. goes back to personalization and it goes back to like <clears throat> combining these different pieces. Like if for me, that tribal aspect of eating dinner and having like a conversation with my wife is really important to me, then it doesn't make sense for me to switch that. But it might make sense, you know, for somebody else. Sure. And the last piece here with the timing is a concept called metabolic flexibility. Um, I arrived at this 
you know, research and conclusion. I shouldn't say conclusion. It's, it's not really an ending to, to my research, but that the athletes that I coach should have metabolic flexibility because they are being asked to both be explosive and have endurance. These sort of typically when you're a specialist, it's one side or the other, and we can tailor everything towards that. I believe that the average human being, and this will be discussed thoroughly in the next episode, which is about movement, is we should be able to use fat or use glucose or have endurance or be fast, be powerful, be, you know, all these different things, be ready for kind of whatever, you know, that, that concept of, I don't need to be a specialist. And a lot of people know, um, you know, that, that I'm like a a big believer in the CrossFit methodology, but the, the programming that the Misfit Project will eventually put out will probably be tailored to the general public. And it's a mix and match sort of day-to-day as opposed to within the actual, you know, uh, exercise session itself. Sure. So I believe that we need to have all these different energy pathways. And I believe that through the exercise and through the food, we can accomplish this. And again, I'm, I might only be talking only to 99% of the population, but I'm okay with that. I'm okay with reaching, you know, that audience with, with this specific episode and then trying to help that 1% with a different episode. So metabolic flexibility is the concept that you can use fat as fuel and you can use carbohydrates as fuel and you can switch back and forth, um, based on, what you've eaten, what the current condition is, what your exercise is, but also throughout the day, you can, you know, sort of do what your body was meant to do with using fat as fuel and, you know, body fat as fuel, burning body fat, using fat to, you know, run your brain and all of that. And that's a controversial topic. Essentially one side says you're brain prefers glucose and that's the only way it should be and you're an idiot the other side says your brain prefers ketones and the other side you know i i think the brain runs pretty well on both um but to be able to control our weight and our mood and all of that um going the fat route makes a little bit more sense to me um so metabolic flexibility would be that concept of we talked about how our, our autonomic nervous system works with the fight or flight or the rest and digest. I sort of find the fat as fuel is more that rest or digest side um, where we can keep things a little bit more even keel. But that metabolic flexibility would say that if a true fight or flight scenario kicked in, that we'd still be able to go to glucose. That if we're in crisis mode, our body's like, let's go. Yep. We're, you know, we're actually using that, that, sympathetic nervous system for what it was you know uh, what it evolved to do for us which is protect us so a lot of a lot of information in this podcast and um for people that you know maybe were successful with eating um in a way that that you could say contradicts this might be a little bit confused it's important to understand again this concept of there's a spectrum of who's out there who needs advice um what we can do but if we're going for a general recommendation eat real (laughs) food i was gonna say fuel and then i was gonna say food and i made them one word eat food don't eat fuel you'll get sick yep so eat real food 
the quantity of your food does matter. Um, if we're going after those, those high glycemic carbohydrates, it should be within a window of intense exercise. Um, make sure if you are not doing that, that you're getting enough fat to actually fuel what you're doing. Um, medical, you know, textbooks and whatnot, call that other, the, the, that diet that everyone burns out on the like salad with chicken on it. The, the, um, call it rabbit starvation. Mm. Yeah. Uh, not so great. Um, we need fuel. We can think of, uh, protein as sort of that, like rebuilding, you know, thing. And then the carbs and, and fat as our fuel. Um, so make sure that you're getting enough fuel and then timing wise, insulin sensitivity gets better throughout the day. Exercise increases insulin sensitivity, fasting, try to start out with 12 hour fasts. Um, the, you know, the recommendation again that I have, if we're really serious about trying to lose weight, it's going to be the 16 hours a day. Eventually we want to work up to that. Um, if you're really active and you don't really see how you could eat, you know, what you need to eat, we can knock it down to 12 or 14, whatever it is. Um, and then we're aiming for metabolic flexibility and we're going to achieve that through fasting, through ending our fast with, you know, a higher fat meal, um, letting our body know that we can still use that as fuel. So a lot of information here. Um, and I hope that the stories that we're trying to tell are taking shape a little bit. The concepts of we can see why we would need to, you know, for lack of a better expression, get our shit together before we tackle this nutrition topic. And if you sort of laugh at that a little bit, um, just think about your own personal struggles with it. It's, it's not easy. It's not easy for any of us. Um, that's really important. And then one thing that we haven't touched too much on, but is also really important is know your audience. Um, if you're trying to pass some of this information on, I gave a, a speech to construction workers about this and telling them that they need to eat the food that was created on maybe the farms that they grew up on or something like that resonates with them more or you know a lot of them are hunters that resonates more with them than starting to talk about non-gmo like <laughs> you got to know your audience don't go out there and cram information down people's throats they don't want it you wouldn't want it that way so know your audience try to find that in that's what i'm personally trying to do with this podcast and that's what, if you're trying to help somebody else, you need to find your in, you need to, it's like a game. You're trying to trick them into starting the process and then they're going to be a little bit more open to information. So make sure you know your audience. Um, as always, the way that this podcast is going to be seated is through reviews. Um, so if you give us, if you, if you like what you're hearing so far, if you give us a five-star review that seeds us higher, that gives us an opportunity to make more podcasts essentially. Yep. So that's really important. You guys are already after just one episode sharing your journey with us on social media. Uh, I love it. It's awesome. I will 100%, I shouldn't say that. I will respond as much as I can when I see stuff. Um, it, you know, it inspires me to keep doing this. So please keep, you know, letting me know how you're doing it. The actual hashtag that we're using for, for this topic is TMP fuel. As always, you can just use hashtag the misfit project. I go into Instagram every day and click those and see what you guys are up to. I absolutely love it. Um, the, the story takes another big step next week. 
where we're saying that our minds are in the right place and our bodies are finally fueled with what they need to be. Now let's go get out there and move around a little bit. Let's find out. And for all of you uh, intense exercisers that think that you can skip this episode because you move, you will be very surprised at what the actual topic is and what the issue is with a lot of what we're doing, even with people that are exercising. So that'll be next week. Um, I think that's it. Yeah. You can find us at misfitproject.com. That's where all the blog posts go up. So show notes and all of that. Yeah. That's, that, that's one thing that we haven't touched on too much that, that I sort of forget, you know, once I get, you know, deep into the, all these conversations is there will be a blog post with each, with each episode. So when you go in there, if you want to read a little bit more about it, uh, we'll try to do a better job of, you know, maybe putting in, if we talk about a supplement or if we talk about a study, trying to put that down in the show notes. Um, if we forget to, it's really easy to just comment and say, Hey guys, I would love to see that study that you talked about, reference it, you know, we'll, we'll add that in there. Um, yep, you can we'll, comment on the blog, comment on Instagram. Yep, We're on we'll, Facebook as well. We'll keep checking all of that stuff. Um, as always, uh, there's the don't talk about it, be about it. Go out there and use this information. Go out there and use this information for yourself. Go out there and use this information to try and help somebody else. I promise it will spin right back around and help you. Um, really enjoying this so far. Really enjoying the interaction with you guys. And we will see you next week for the Movement Podcast. <laughs>